How often do you think kids that are adopted seek out their biological parents? Like a percent? Yeah, sure. This I feel like it's high. Yeah, because I, I don't remember what I was watching, but somebody like went and found their biological parents. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that seems like something that would happen, but also it seems like a very movie yeah. thing to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. It, I, I, I get that there's a romanticized idea of what that entails, yeah. But yeah. I think a lot of the times it's hammed up for, like, documentaries and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's probably just, like, let's check Facebook. Let's ask some family members if they know where these people might be, you know. Because I feel like most of the time it would be, like, you go and meet that person. And yeah. they're like, yeah, no, I just couldn't take care of you. Yeah. And you're like, all right, goodbye. Yeah. Now I know who you are and you exist. But also mm -hmm. at the same time, I feel like if I was adopted, yeah, I would think that and be like, well, I don't really want to get in contact with that person. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's two sides to it. One is, like, I, I never really got the insult of, like, oh, you're adopted. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, okay, so mom and dad really wanted me then. I exactly. Yeah, I had people like, who chose me instead yeah. of, oops. Yeah. So I've <laughs> really never fucking understood that. Like, every time someone goes, you're adopted, I'm always like, that's a weird yeah. insult. Like... Is the I, implication that they are loved less? Because, no, they went through a lot of shit to get yeah. that kid. A lot of shit. I had a dad who wanted to be a father, not just a dude that loved busting inside chicks. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is, like, yeah, it's it's one of those things where, like, I don't know what the outcome is, but I know what the want is. You know? There is undeniably, like, uh, just a gut, like, thing about your biological parents. Yeah. It's not love necessarily. I mean, obviously, love is something that's like born out of, you know, a relationship with yeah, that exactly. person. But there is that weird, like. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's like a weird, like, thing where it's just like, I don't know. Like, that's my mom, you know, like, that's my dad. Like, having had other figures in my life, you know, like stepmoms or stepdads, you know. Um, there's definitely like a love there, but it's like very clear, like, oh, there's a cap okay, on where this can go. And like, no matter how supportive and close, cause I've been very close with like, for example, my stepmother and I, you know, I love her very much, but it's like, just, I can't describe how it's different with my mom. Like, that's just my fucking mom. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> and also having like an estranged biological father, um, who is a piece of shit that I don't want a relationship with. It is still one of those things where, like, multiple times a day, it still crosses my mind. It's like, oh, oh yeah? yeah, oh yeah, I have a dad out there somewhere. You know yeah, I mean? like someone who is like genetically me, to a degree. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? yeah, but I, I, but yeah, no, my 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 thing about it though is like, yeah, there's like a cap with your step, whatever. Mm -hmm. But also, isn't there one with your dad, dad, because of just your history? You know, like, are you saying is there a cap there, or does it? Do, you, do I feel like it exceeds the cap? Yeah, I mean, I feel like what you're saying is with a biological parent, mm -hmm. the degree of love you can have for that person is way higher than yeah, someone like who's uncapped. not biologically yeah. your uh, parent. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is with the degree, the, the relationship you have with your biological dad compared to your dad-dad, mm -hmm. there's a cap on biological dad that is probably lower than dad dad yeah because of just the relationship you guys have had yeah that's true i mean that's also one of those things where like um you know biological dad was never there yeah and dad dad was 
So Dad Dad, you know, is kind of in the uncapped range for sure. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah, for clarification, yes, yes, yes. And again, um, I'm not adopted. I wouldn't know any of yeah. this. But that's that was my kind of thinking when I was yeah. thinking about this. Like, hey, man, fucking biological dad didn't want me, mm-hmm. so there's only so much I can get from this guy. Sure. I get it'd be nice to know where you genetically came from and mm-hmm. see an old man that kind of looks like you. <laughs> but also at the same time, yeah, dad, dad's got my back and I love that guy to pieces. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, that's another aspect of it uh, as well as like it's not like a, this isn't enough thing. Like, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I, no. I need more daddy. Exactly. <laughs> it's purely a curiosity. Like <clears throat> it's like, well, I do have two dads. I'm yeah. getting enough, but it'd be nice to see a second dad. <laughs> no, I mean, I guess like it'd be like if like uh, you just it's it is like if you just found out your dad wasn't your dad, you wouldn't you want to go find that guy? <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and would yeah. you like objectively, like if you found out right now that Raleigh was not your dad and your mom was like, I know who your real dad is. Yeah. If my dad's had me, down, would you be I curious? Went, I went, listen, Nick, I know we look identical, but <laughs> I'm not your dad. I know you look just like me. I what would be in that situation. Let's say Raleigh sat you down. and He was like, hey, I am just straight up not your biological dad. I don't think that matters. I still yeah. love you the same. I hope you still love me the same. I don't know. To which I, you would. I, you would. Objectively, you would. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, I, I think I would have to like. It would depend on the more information I get. Like, hey, mom, does yeah. biological dad know I exist? Mm-hmm. And if he didn't, maybe I'd go and try to find him. But him. if he did, you wouldn't? Probably, yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe when I'm old and I'm like, nah, he might die soon. I should yeah. probably get in touch with this guy. But, yeah. Uh, right now, no, Raleigh's doing the job. Yeah. And he's the only dad dad I need, I think. Yeah. No. Yeah. But also. Well, that's the thing I want to say also is I don't think in all of those situations again like i said earlier like i don't think the thing is is that like oh i need more dad yeah no, it's just exactly, this weird thing that i can't explain we're like it's like for i'm not i'm not seeking out my biological dad by no means you know yeah I mean? no i know but like i said it still crosses my mind every now and again like hmm, things were different if he hadn't been such a piece of shit mm-hmm. a- aside from abandoning me yeah <laughs> if just the abandonment was the issue that's usually the thing where i'm like hmm, i wonder you know yeah i, I, I can't I'm arguing with you or having this conversation with you. I don't know that we're arguing. I think we're having a conversation. I, but no, I mean, like, I'm I'm going, yes, but. Yeah. Not because I, like, disagree. I'm just because we're doing a show right now. And that's why yeah. I'm doing it. To make it perfectly clear, yeah. I am 100% sure that if I actually was adopted, my, I would think of this completely differently. But yeah. trying to fill those shoes right now, thinking about it, yeah. If I found out I had a biological dad who knew I was around but didn't try and th- be my dad at all throughout yeah. my life yeah i don't know i feel like a, a majority of me would be like well like what you were saying earlier i have a dad that wants to be my dad mm-hmm. and i'm not sure how much of me wants to meet dad that doesn't want to be my dad yeah
But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think the people who are adopted like seek out that parent because they're like, oh, he's got to be the greatest. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, I honestly hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah. But yeah. No, it's. Yeah, that's that makes absolute sense to me. Yeah. Now, where it's it's like, just straight up, straight up curiosity. Like, yeah, who like is I gotta this see guy. I want to see an old man version of me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> anyway, I, I thought uh, for some reason I thought that that would be this conversation would be funny in some way. Yeah. Yeah, we can do another one if you'd like. Do you have a bit about it? No, I thought we'd come up with yeah. a bit in the middle of it. Yeah. Should we take improv classes? Yes. Yeah, to be funnier. Yes. Because yeah, we've been we've been coming through some of these episodes to like make some TikToks, and we're like, yeah, some of these just aren't aren't funny, which isn't yeah. good. So yeah, you want to start uh, taking some classes or working some improv into the show? Yes, and theme song. But yeah, I feel like you kind of like we've both been dancing around like the the double edged sword of it, which is like yes, you have that morbid curiosity, right? Mm-hmm. But also, I think a lot of the times when people think that, where they're like, "I just gotta know," yeah, then what? Because you're right. I think earlier you pantomimed like a kind of a conversation, like of like, "Yeah, I couldn't raise you earlier. All right, see ya." You know, and you just kind of go your separate ways, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm kind of how it usually goes barring like someone being like oh my god and like they have like a movie moment rekindling or whatever but uh yeah i mean yeah like i guess what do you actually get out of it you know yeah i mean and that's my thing obviously yeah. again for the thousandth time i'm not adopted so i don't know how it feels <laughs> yeah. but the idea of being like you know what i'd like to have one more extremely complicated relationship in my life yeah yeah how about we relive some trauma yeah exactly how about every time i have a birthday party or something i have to think about mm, what about this guy do i invite him <laughs> another birthday to remember um yeah i don't know i mean i guess speaking from my experience um the only thing i can really come up with which has not been enough to tip the scales in another direction is just like Something I value a lot from, like, my dad-dad or my mom um, or my grandparents or whatever it is. It's just little stories that I would have otherwise not known, you know? Okay, yeah. Um, Like, you know, my grandma, Rose, uh, you know, her parents just giving her a quarter and be like, yeah, go down to the main art or whatever. Mm -hmm. Just to, like, waste your whole day kind of a thing. Or, uh, you know, like my grandpa the other day telling me that story about, like, yeah, it was just, it was like... He was like, it was like the sun was like setting and I was out biking with like three other guys and we passed the white tower and I don't know why, I just had a hankering for the hamburger. So I went in. He's like, and then we're biking around for a little while. He's like, and then I, I went back and I asked my mom for a quarter so I could go get another white cat, uh, white tower. And he was like, and I, I don't know. He's like, I, I just couldn't get enough of them. For some reason, I went back like three or four times that night. You know, story means nothing. But for some reason, to yeah, me, it yeah. means something like just visualizing, you know. For lack of a better term, it's almost like, even though it seems mundane, which it is so mundane, it's like it just part of your lineage, kind of that thing. Where it's yeah, just like, no, it's like in a way, in a more extreme way, because yeah, like you said, it's part of your lineage. If you had a time machine, you would for sure go back to the forties and just look around at people doing shit on the street and go, yeah. "Oh, holy shit!" Yeah. And the idea of thinking about your grandfather as a boy riding yeah. his bike in the thirties or forties, or however old your grandfather is. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a, a fun thing to know and think about. Yeah, like you know, something I've thought about a lot, and I'm sure you have before, is like if I had a time machine or was sent back in time in some way, 
take my snapshot my dad at 16 17 and like junior senior year my dad dad like would i get along with who he was yeah not even the one way where like would he like me but would i even like him no offense to him you know yeah no but I, it's just I, that thing where it's like you know if i'm in that same situation and my son has come back to hang out with me at 18 or 19 I would hope to a degree my son wouldn't like who I was then, to some degree. Not totally yeah, be disgusted, yeah, but No, like, I know what you mean, because yeah. the ages of 15 to 20-year-old Nick, I think that guy sucks. Yeah, same. And that's correct. You should yeah. feel that way. Yeah. And, yeah, if, if my son at 15 to 20 didn't like Nick at 15 to 20, I'd yeah. be like, I'm doing a good job as a dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, because that was something my dad always said growing up was like, I want you to be better than me. Yeah, exactly. Know? But also, I think maybe if I went back in time and hung out with 26-year-old Raleigh Johnson, yeah. and I ignored some of the for sure problematic language he uses <laughs> because it's the 90s or 80s or whatever, mm-hmm. I don't know. I might, I, I would maybe get along with that guy. But also, we talk about this every now and then. Dads just love fighting. Yeah, <laughs> Dads used to just love fighting. And yeah. I think I'd be like... Nah, Raleigh, I'm not going to fight these guys with you. I don't know what it is. Like, I'm being a bit, like, hyperbolic or maybe poetic or romantic about it, but there's also a degree to which I almost feel like when I hear those stories, it's almost like, I mean, it's classic storytelling, but I'm transplanted into that moment, and there's a degree to where it feels almost like sitcom levels of, like, damn, it's kind of like me in the 70s, like... You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that thing where it's like he's almost a surrogate for me. Like I'm almost in that time through this story. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? um, and then also there's just another thing where it's like, uh, you know, it's part of like realizing that adults are also just people who don't know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. You know, so hearing stories about like, you know, my granddad like having this job but losing it because he keeps waking up late and then his like stepdad drives cab and has his cab paid off and like lets him just drive cab to like make ends meet so he's out driving cab all night yeah you know for a couple of years just picking people up at the airport and driving around smoking cigarettes and driving cab um yeah i remember having a conversation with my dad where i won't go into specifics for my father's own privacy <laughs> but just i don't know you get to that point Maybe this isn't an everybody thing where you get to a certain age and you and your dad maybe allegedly share, like, drug stories. (laughs) (laughs) And and being like, here's what I would do when I was X or Y. Yeah. And how I would relieve that situation because it was maybe too much and being like, either A, that's insane, or B, oh my God, dad. I've done the exact same thing. <laughs> My dad told me he had a buddy who had a map with a, a mark on everywhere he had jerked off. Yeah? Yeah. And there were more marks than just his own home? Yeah. That's insane. When, yeah. I, hear, when I hear old guys tell stories, or even young guys tell stories, about yeah. doing that anywhere other than their house, I'm like, you're a monster. Yeah. That's what that means. Sorry if you've done it anywhere other than your home or <laughs> someone else's home, but... I have a way of bringing it all back home, though. Here's a great story from my Grandma Rose or whatever, right? We're talking, and she's talking about the main art situation, the quarter, and go watch movies and stuff. And at one point, you know, she was telling me about, like, raising the kids and how, like, you know, my grandpa would be out of town for work or whatever it is. And, you know, after she got the kids to bed, she would go over to the neighbor's house and hang out with her girlfriend and, like, smoke cigarettes and watch movies Mm because, like, 
you know, on like Saturdays or whatever it was, there was always like a movie marathon kind of a thing all night long or whatever. And she'd stay up and watch movies or whatever. And uh, she was talking about, she was like, yeah, she was like, I used to watch it with my dad too. And I was a little girl all the time, you know, uh, on Saturdays, that was like the time we spent together was like, I'd, you know, sit in, our, in, in his lap or whatever and watch movies and stuff like that. And I was like, uh, oh, do you, do, you, do you think that's, that's where like, uh, your, your love of movies comes from? Cause that's what she does like all day. She just watches like TCM and yeah, so my calls me and tells me about the cool. movies she watched growing up and stuff like that. And so, so I, I asked her, I was like, do you think that's why you like, uh, you're like, you're like such a big fan of movies or she was like, yeah, probably. Yeah. That's, that's probably exactly why. You know what I just thought about? Hmm. I'm getting a tear in my eye thinking about it. That's all my grandmother does. My dad's mom. Yeah, growing up, just uh, I'd go over there all the time and watch Turner Classic movies. Saw A League of Their Own a thousand times over there. I should call my grandma sometime <laughs> soon and be like, "Hey, you see any good flicks lately?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yes, and movies. <laughs> <laughs> Eating Soup Alone is a podcast hosted by me, Christopher Crumlin, and co-hosted by Nicholas Johnson. We try our best to ramble incoherently about a handful of movies at least once a week. So again, we watched two movies this week. Classic. Um, Classic. Just so us, you know. Uh, Elton's not here this week. Thank God. Fortunately, unfortunately, depends on how you feel about it. Um, but just like last week where we had to hurry up and get this done before we went and saw the strokes, we got to hurry up and get this done because, boy, do we want to play rock band. Um, <laughs> um, so we watched uh, Synecdoche, New York and Rocky. Um, two of our favorite movies. Mm-hmm. One of them's mine, one of them's yours. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you've seen Rocky before. I had never mm-hmm. seen a select key. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you want to talk about first? Don't care. Don't care? Don't okay. care. Mail time. Synecdoche, New York. Wow, you're going out that one. Synecdoche, New York. Someone check on Charlie Kaufman. That little guy can sure make a good movie, but clearly he's not doing well. Please, I don't know who to contact about this, but I need to know he's doing well. This is the first movie he wrote and directed, and it's a surprise. Oh, it's surprise. A bummer. Life is sad and fast and scary. Charlie Kaufman won't let me forget it. 7.5 out of 10. Chris, what's your history with Sin... Uh, I'll let you finish crumpling that piece of paper. What's your history with Sin... Neck to Key, New York? Uh, saw it probably about a year ago. That's about it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, I right. saw it, and yeah, and uh, an unnamed friend was like, yeah, I saw it, and like for the last week, I just can't get out of my head that like a relationship I just left might have been, you know, uh, something that I regret for the rest of my life, and I just have this vision of me being old and buying cans of soup and like seeing them happy, and <laughs> I'm just still alone and yeah. <laughs> buying soup alone, oh. eating soup alone. That's one. Yeah. Um, that's not where we got the name, by the way. Yeah. Um, no, it's not. Yeah, the name's. Well, no, 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 no. It's a big it's secret. A, yes. I will never tell anyone. Uh huh. Um, and if you try, I'll censor you. That's Chris breaking your neck. 
Yeah, this is your spine, you pencil neck geek. Um, I'm glad we've never had that conversation. We're on the same page that we're never going to tell anybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought this was a movie that you've always seen and liked and no. wanted me to watch. So about a year uh, ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what I know. Yeah. It's only the second time I've seen it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Man. What about you? Reality is Shattered. Um, I watched it for the first time a few days ago wow. with you. Um, and yeah, it just, I'm a sad white guy, so I like a Charlie Kaufman <laughs> movie when it's shown to me. Um, and yeah, I really, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, yeah. Didn't know it was extremely funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's just something about it that like through the whole, whole, whole movie, everything is a little bit, um, it's a word I'm looking for. Kaufman-esque. Not, yeah. not, yeah, it's, it, it's definitely Kaufman-esque, but yeah. it's like a heightened, you yeah. know? Everything is supposed to be a little bit over the top, yeah, or a lot over the top, yeah. But even when there's scenes that are extremely upsetting, mm-hmm. there's something about it that's funny, like the just like oh boy, this guy can't catch a break of all of it, yeah, comes off pretty funny for a lot of it. But also at the same time, I think it strikes a nice balance where I'm like I feel bad for him, but also I don't mm-hmm. because he's doing some of it to himself. But also it's funny, right? Um. And yeah, uh, I like this movie quite a bit. Um, but I remember, yeah, after we watched it, I felt like, from what you were saying, you weren't as hot on this the second time around. Well, uh, I don't know about second around, but more so I we just we just watched I'm Thinking of Anythings, and yeah. I think that's a much more clean movie. I think this is, though I like Magnolia more, peak Kaufman, like the same way that like PTA was a bit restrained for Boogie Nights. Mm-hmm. And then went off the rails with Magnolia and made exactly the picture he wanted to in like the most frantic, frenzied way possible. Yeah. This seems like... I know it doesn't necessarily follow adaptation. I think adaptation predates Eternal uh, Sunshine. But I relate it more to adaptation because of the play inside of a play inside of a play inside of a play. Yeah. Play. But, uh, yeah. It seems like unrestrained Kaufman. Like someone was like, with this next one, you can just do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, so in that way, it's a bit indulgent or messy, like something like Magnolia or, you know, uh, something like Donnie Darko, except that's a little different that someone just being indulgent because they literally are in film school and somehow landed a big, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I agree and disagree at the same time. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, this movie is, in my opinion, I think this movie is cleaner than I'm thinking of ending things. Okay. For me, it feels like I'm thinking of ending things. Feels a, just slightly more like do whatever you want, Charlie Kaufman. Uh-huh. But this one for sure is. It's kind of the point by the end of it. It's yeah. a mess and kind of hard to follow because it's part of it. Because it's life. Because it's life. Yeah. But also, we said this after we saw it. But yeah, it that doesn't make it not messy and hard to follow at the mm-hmm. end. You know. Overall, we follow. Caden, last name Bowser. Caden Bowser, enemy of Mario. Oh, yeah. bro, I'm so upset now. Because uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's dead. If he was alive right now, he yeah. would for sure be Bowser in the new <laughs> Super Mario movie. <laughs> Anyways, long story short, he's like most Kaufman movies, kind of a uh, an avatar for Kaufman. Yeah. A lot of his traits are yeah. his own. He's a hypochondriac, an overthinker. He's a nebbish. He's a coward. And I don't mean that in like a like a mean way where I'm like, oh, you yellow, but he's a self-professed like coward, you know. Yeah. 
And, um, you know, he's in a relationship. His love life, in terms of his wife, not going great. Very early, we see the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the couple's counseling where she's laying there and she goes, I frequently fantasize about Caden being dead so I can move on guilt-free. Is that awful? Is that horrible? And the therapist says, how does that make you feel, Caden? Does that... He's like, not good. She's like, good, good. But anyways, um, has a daughter. Um, seems to love the daughter quite a bit. Olive, yeah. Yes, much more than, than, his, than his wife. Um, then from there, it gets very messy. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, um, as I've told you, we watched this movie, and I was like, all right, I'm going to go watch a bunch of analyses about this movie. Yeah. And again, like the last coffee movie we watched, it's all up to you. Yeah. But also at the same time, there's some pretty cool things in this like beginning of the movie that you just talked about. Yeah. Like obviously at the end of the movie, time is just zooming. Yeah. Um, but it, it's zooming at the beginning of this movie too, in just little ways that I really appreciate and I like um, that you don't really notice when he wakes up at the beginning. Um, also, fun fact, I noticed it at the end of the movie. Obviously, he's got the earpiece in, and the director's talking to him, and they're like, and it's 7.42, 7.43, And then he goes and sits down on that couch with whoever the actress is, and there's like a spray-painted clock on the wall that says 7.44. At the beginning of this movie, he wakes up at 7.45, and like it fades in from gray, where the movie fades out from gray when he dies. I'm like, oh, that's a nice little touch, and you know. Because time is a flat circle. Time is a flat circle, and Evelyn, I think her name is, um, says, you know, the ending is baked into the beginning. So there's a lot of things at the beginning of this movie like that. Like, the wife is constantly coughing because, you know, she has lung cancer, which she eventually dies from and stuff like that. Um, But, yeah, time just zooms at the end of this. But at the beginning, um, it doesn't really feel like that. But that scene of them having breakfast at the beginning is three months. Okay. Like, he wakes up on the radio, he's like, hey, everybody, it's September 15th, 2000, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then he's reading the newspaper, and, like, at the top of it, it says October 9th. And then as, like, in the same shot as he's reading down the newspaper, it, like, is speeding through November. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the time he's, <laughs> which I love, the scene where he turns the faucet on and it hits him in the head and he's yeah. bleeding everywhere. When he's at the doctor's office, it's obviously Christmas there. So, yeah. yeah, that one scene turns out to be three months. Mm-hmm. Just a little stuff like that. Yeah. I like it a lot. There's a lot of other little things that happen throughout the movie as well. Like, free anytime t- television is being watched, whether it's a cartoon or not, he's in it. Yeah. But it's up to you what that means. But uh, <laughs> Are we all just TV? Yeah. Um, he's directing a play. His wife shows no interest in it. She's going off to Berlin for what a show. What is he directing, Chris? Death of a Salesman. Yeah, you mean the one play that everybody in the world knows? I, yeah. I don't know why that's so funny to me. It's yeah. that he's like this prestigious theater director and he yeah. gets that MacArthur grant and gets a lot of money, but he's directing Death of a Salesman. Yeah. I don't know why that's so funny I to also me. like that the only gimmick that landed on the MacArthur thing is just that he had old young people play the old people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's and a I great love... line where his dad says he doesn't get it. Or exactly. I'll explain it to you later. That's what I was going to say. Is his yeah. dad doesn't get it, but I also love <laughs> Him and his wife are talking about it after seeing it walking on the street, and you just hear his dad in the background go, "It was long. You didn't think it was long." <laughs> um, it's also interesting to me how uh, worried about her health his daughter Olive already is at like four yeah. years old, which mirrors his own hypochondriac tendencies. Yeah. And I love the little like 
the back and forth you get between him and his wife and like what the differences are because i mean in my opinion that's the point of the movie is he's this guy who's so afraid of dying that he's not living his life or whatever Mm -hmm. but and his wife uh adele is that her name Uh, yeah yeah uh adele is the exact opposite like you know she dies from lung cancer that she clearly has at the beginning of this movie because she's like just if i don't think about it i can live my life freely but then also those consequences catch up to her but a nice little conversation at the beginning with her and her daughter and her daughter being like why is my poop green and she's like i don't know honey you probably just ate something green yeah and it's a nice little like or later when they're in the car and i love the daughter's like i don't want blood and she's like it's fine honey you don't have blood and he's like i don't think we should tell her she doesn't have (laughs) blood yeah and similarly adele also consoles Caden by saying like because he's he's like I don't think she really consoles him she doesn't really give a shit not a good marriage but he's like I think I have blood in my stool she's like you don't have blood in your stool much like the daughter thing yeah but anyways um, also if I ever get to a point in my life where I'm like him and I uh, because of a doctor told me to I have to have a little plastic spoon and move through my poop to see what's in there I'm done <laughs> the doctor's like yeah you should you, you're gonna have to do this I'll be like nah I'll let whatever this maybe is maybe kill me. Right? Yeah. I'm, oh, I'm 33. That's fine. I can live until 34. <laughs> I, I don't, as long as I don't have to sift through my poop for yeah. disease, uh, s- signs of a disease, I'm fine. That's a life w- worth living. <laughs> uh, also, kind of a budding affair. Clearly, the woman who works the box office mm-hmm. uh, has a big old crush on Caden. I think a lot of their. It, insane to me in this movie how much he pulls that it looks like an older and older and older philip seymour hoffman yeah fucks so much yeah. in this movie i like a lot of their little interactions i think they're they're uh they're cute in like a little nerdy way like yeah. you know actually just like and then you say to me azel what wonderful lives what eyes you're so beautiful or whatever and he pauses I, and he's like nervous to even say it and he's like hazel i i love your eyes and you're beautiful and i then do he's, i re- sorry go on and then he's like, what do I say next? And she's like, oh, I can't say what you say next. And he's like, why? And she's like, because it's dirty. And he's like, come on, say it. I do. I love that. It's a very, very cute interaction. But I also do love when it continues later when they go back to her house. And she's like, I want you to get on your knees and beg me yeah. to kiss you. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, that culminates in him going soft while they fuck. And that makes uh, Hazel not talk to him like yeah. ever again for a little yeah, while yeah because um wife adele is leaving because she paints very small paintings yeah another joke i love she's like i can't come to your plane tonight i have to box up all these paintings and then <laughs> it cuts over to the, the com- comedically small like postage boxes with her yeah. little uh things in there um but she's going to germany for a month they're mm-hmm. all going to germany for a month for one of her shows and then she decides hey maybe just me and olive should go we'll talk about it when i get back yeah i think she's going on the dates with uh evelyn and because that's just how this movie hazel. works hazel who's evelyn evelyn is the old lady who cleans the house that's right hazel he's going uh he's like somewhere with hazel she's like yeah come back to my place and he's like yeah but you know evelyn and she's like, she's been gone a year. And he's like, it's been a week. And it's like, yeah, because that's how this movie Adele, works. By the way. Uh, Adele has been gone for a week. Oh, yeah. she's been gone for a year. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, when he goes to her house and he gets he gets all uh, willy-nilly. Um, and uh, he's like, I have a wife and a daughter. And it's like, yeah, bro, but you don't. Yeah. <laughs> you don't. We also glazed past uh, one of my favorite scenes, which is Hazel buying that house that's already on fire. And her being like, I don't know. I just don't know if I... I, I'm kind of scared of dying in the fire. She's yeah. like, well, 
how one's gonna die is always a big you know whatever um um she later goes on to be married and have two kids yes with a guy named derek i believe mm-hmm. is that the guy that's living in her basement when she moves in <laughs> i think so that's where he, that's a great joke yeah, yeah. um we missed oh my the funniest part of the movie to me it like i'll get to it because i don't know if you know this chris but i watched a lot of analyses about this movie mm-hmm. so i know the the maybe point of this uh-huh. but at first watch it's just a very funny joke when he he calls uh adele in germany she can't hear him and the phone's breaking up or whatever and she's like i'm at a really big party i'll call you back okay evelyn and then uh, hangs up, and he starts having a seizure or something. He has just amorphous disease throughout this movie. Yeah. Like, he's constantly concerned he's going to die. It might be in his own head. It might not be. But he's constantly got just, like, bumps all over him that he's scratching at or has to go to the dentist or this and that. It's uh, psychosis. Not, like, psychosis, yeah. but sounds the same. Yeah. Um, anyway, he gets off the phone with Adele. She hangs up, and he starts having a seizure, I guess. I'm sick! And I'm sick! Just wildly shaking in this, like, fold-out couch in his living room for some reason. Yeah. And he calls 911, and he's like, I'm sick! I'm sick! And, like, he drops the phone, and you just hear the 911 operator go, Hello? Ma'am? <laughs> and it's just, like, the like the, like the the constant, like, miscommunication he's having yeah. with everybody all over the movie. It's, like, important to the plot, and, like, yeah, a lifetime of that does X, Y, and Z to you, but also hilarious every time it happens yeah like when the the phone call with what's her face or whenever he's talking to his therapist and she answers him two words before he's done with this sentence it's just it's so funny yeah um so from here i feel like the movie just continues to get more and more confusing yeah there's a couple of things going on one is that time is blazing him by and everything is kind of like a subplot of that number one is that his family has moved on from him Mm-hmm. And he just doesn't seem to grasp how long that's been at yeah. every turn. Like we don't either, which I love. Yeah. Like I, and that's the most impressive part of this movie to me is how like this movie works like your perception and your memories of your own life does. Yeah. Like, you it's a very well, very well put. Yes. Yeah. Like you don't uh, understand what's going on mm-hmm. until like I guess technically he does, but yeah. at that point everybody else knows hey. about it already. The office said it best. I think it's the office. Yeah. I wish you. I wish you knew. Uh, the what is the good? I wish you knew the good times were happening before they were gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah or something yeah, like yeah. that. But anyways, uh, so yeah, Adele and his daughter Olive have gone off to Germany with what seems like Adele's gay lover, and she yeah. becomes a successful artist. And slowly, Olive becomes some sort of uh, nude dancer covered in tattoos that Maria the gay lover has given to her and later on we find that even olive has entered into a gay relationship with maria i do love the scene where he goes to at this point he's married and has a kid with the woman starring in his play mm-hmm. that he's gotten the grant for and when it shows their kid i immediately thought it was olive uh-huh and you find out it's not and he's like i have to go find my daughter and she's like your daughter's in the other room like, my real daughter she's I like mean, what the fuck do you mean my real daughter i mean i mean my other daughter my first daughter yeah and he's like look at all these tattoos she has yeah and she goes everybody has tattoos yeah and she picks her shirt up and she's got this giant like a devil he's on like her. i've never seen that 
<laughs> so funny. And it's like, yeah, it's like just the Charlie Kaufman, like, oh, it's like a, represent- yeah. a representation about how he doesn't love this movie, this woman, and yeah. doesn't know enough about her, yeah. but also hilarious. It's also a bit absurdist as well. Um, just his delivery on, yeah. well, that's the first time I've seen that is so yeah. good. And again, a lot of things, you know, you can argue about like, was this intended or whatever, in terms of my perception. Um, I love that, like, as he gets older, kind of like the cliche things that old people get scared of is what happens, like his daughter having mm-hmm. tattoos or, like, there seems to be this overwhelming military presence in the city as well as, like, yeah. the constant sound of gunshots. And mm-hmm. then there's, like, sexual depravity kind of, like, laden throughout, like, the background with, like, a man being led and ass naked on the streets but on a leash by a woman. Yeah. And uh, also the idea that his wife, like, left him for a woman and that his daughter's banging that woman, too. And it's this weird thing yeah. where, like, they've both fucked the same woman. And, and, I, and I love hearing you say that because uh, my interpretation, I guess, of, like, the constant like downfall of the society outside is him being like I'm gonna make this play and I'm gonna help everybody because this play is gonna be eye opening and stuff like that but he's such a selfish man all the way through this movie that he doesn't Mm -hmm. you know clock what's going on in the real world outside oh but to backtrack a little bit sorry Mm -hmm. what I was getting to is yeah there's that scene where he goes to Germany to try to find Olive and Adele and he ends up having Maria. Maria and uh they send her and she's like oh well they sent me and he's like who they who the fuck is they yeah. he's just screaming and he makes yeah. a scene and they like wrestle in this yeah he's like what have you done with my daughter where's my daughter yeah, and it's a really like tough scene to watch tough. but also hilarious because i love when marie sits down she has a german accent yeah like everybody who moved to germany yeah. has a german accent now yeah i love that she somehow evades him just running away earlier we see that uh adele has communicated to Caden that like olive had left her diary and he's been periodically reading that but oddly it continues throughout her whole life it's not just the diary that she left when she left yeah in my mind it's like his idea of what's happening to olive and like what he yeah. thinks she's probably thinking now and uh he's been reading that and through that he finds out that her favorite color is pink so he sends her this pink toy which he finds in an alley that she just threw away and never actually opened how do you what do you take away from that scene specifically he finds the toy in the alley uh-huh. and he puts in the fake teardrops and uses uh-huh. that to cry uh twofer i was actually thinking about that quite a bit when we watched it yeah one was like Perhaps it's a medical condition and he no longer can produce tears. Yeah, exactly. Because the doctor tells him that earlier, but also it's just, yeah. yeah. It's got to mean something else for yeah. sure. Yeah. But it also kind of plays, in my opinion, into like uh, like the theater of it. Like it's yeah. something that like actors sometimes do if you can't yeah. cry in command. Um, But I don't think there's any other moment that would lead credence to that being the case because there's nothing else in the real world, quote unquote, that ever breaks like that. So I don't know. Yeah, because the movie at the end. Sorry, I should not be eating while doing this podcast, but what's <laughs> happening? At the end of this, it becomes like it is almost impossible to distinguish what's his life and what's the play he's creating. Yeah, and this is the only time in like the middle or beginning of the movie where something like that happens, and it's like, yeah, this is a very staged thing to do to like make fake tears so you yeah. can cry. Yeah, um, I don't know. There is also a point where he meets his daughter on her deathbed, and they have this weird gizmo that 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 translates the German to English. So they can communicate with each other, and she makes him beg her to forgive uh, him for abandoning her to be with his gay lover Eric, which we have not actually seen. 
But it's also a very touching scene. This scene also really does tear at me because she's crying. And when he says, like, I beg you to forgive me for leaving, even though he objects at first because it's not his idea of reality or whatever, he eventually does say it. And then she starts just bawling and she goes, no, 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 I can't forgive you. And then immediately dies. Uh Uh-huh. Um, real tough scene to watch. There's also a bit with like some of the well, petals of her tattoo coming off and, yeah. and Maria and coming in. I love that though because that scene, I was giggling throughout the entire thing. Yeah. Like, and I love that about this movie. That that's a tough scene for you to watch, but to me, it's again what I was saying earlier. Of like, man, this guy could just not catch a break. Like, this is the most over the top. Like, what it would be like to see your strange daughter right before she dies. Like, yeah. Her making, her making him forgive her. Yeah. Or, and her saying no, and he's yeah. like, but none of this is true. And it's just so like, um, oh fuck, I can't think of an example. Kaufman-esque. Oh, okay. But like, like a black comedy where like a guy, like a like a curb your enthusiasm kind yeah. of thing, where like this guy just can't catch a break. It's yeah. so funny to me. Um, and I'll mention some of the ways that these bleed into the other things as we go into them. And then late stage is that he somehow is like living through whether it's in his imagination or if he's actually doing this but Adele has a cleaning lady named Evelyn but he starts going there to clean the house as Evelyn has like a way to kind of feel like he's somewhat connected to Adele and uh, Olive still so the other thing that's going on is yes he's gotten this MacArthur grant and he wants to do something real and it's slowly it's almost like Magnolia where it starts as this idea where he wants to make something true and real and he's like he's gonna give everybody notes every day about like what happened to him yesterday and he's like and i'm gonna do the same thing because i want to get to the cold heart truth of why i'm such a loser coward piece of shit or whatever and that slowly balloons out to like this play where like certain things he's having certain actors do he's like nah wall it off and he starts making actual apartments and stuff yeah and no, then that- i i really enjoyed at the beginning where like <clears throat> i can't remember when it happens but there's a scene where he's walking through, like, I guess on the stage, and there's, like, a little station set up yeah. where different actors are rehearsing different scenes. Yeah. And he just goes up to them and goes, you two are having an affair off screen. Yeah. And watch the next one. Like, as goes, the actors. And that's how it's affecting the exactly. performance you're giving. And yeah. I'm like, this is really cool. Like, obviously, this isn't how a play is done. Yeah. But it's, like, a little, like, assembly line that he's yeah. created where he can just run by everybody and go, this is what you need. This is yeah. what you need. This is what you need. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's a fun way to do it. And, like, as it goes on, it's like, oh, clearly there's, like, other physically other levels to this. Or people mm-hmm. are, like, one floor up on a, on a yeah. like, a construction kind of site doing the scene because like it's expanding out that much and i'm like oh that's a fun little thing until and then you finally quickly realize it's just ballooning out and out yeah where he's made cities and then inside of that city is the city he's created for this play and it just goes like deeper and deeper and like just crazy shit like um there's he's at this point um hazel his assistant yes Hazel becomes his assistant and they kind of have a relationship again. And it's to the point where the man playing him is dating Hazel so he can know what it's like to be Caden. And the woman playing Hazel is dating Caden so Mm -hmm. she can know what it's like being Hazel. And then that gets crisscrossed and then that becomes part of the play. And it's, it's, Chris, it's too much. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So, anyways, it it balloons, like I said, like they start walling shit off. And then, yes, it it balloons out to the point where, like, he's like, there even has to be a director me inside of this play directing this play. So he hires that guy to be him kind of a thing. And then, yeah, it just keeps ballooning in where like there's a play inside of a play inside of a play and like he's walking around directing the guy 
who's supposed to be him, who's directing the actual play, I guess, if you want to call it that. So that's all going on. The third thing that's going on is he's pretty much accepted, like, I, he has no intention of getting back with Adele, but he definitely wants a relationship with Olive. Instead, mm -hmm. his focus has turned more to, even though he marries his lead and has a daughter with her, that is not something that is high priority for him. Instead, it seems to be done just because... It seems to be done just because Hazel has moved on, and he's like, well, I guess might as well, kind of a thing. Because Hazel, yeah, like we mentioned earlier, is now married with two kids, and then uh, eventually her husband Derek leaves, and she's single again. And like you said, there is a point where he begins dating the guy who is playing him in the play, but then later on she reveals that she did that just to get at him, and very late in their life, they end up together. Yeah. And uh, to take one step back, uh, well, not even a third layer. We'll talk about that in a second. I'm just going to cut that a little bit. So anyways, those are the three things going on with like Olive and Adele, the play, and then the saga of him and Hazel. Yeah. At this point, I'm just going to read what I think has always summed up the movie for me, because as far as I've always understood it, it's a movie about string theory. Um... Everything is more complicated than you think. You only see a tenth of what is true. There are a million little strings attached to every choice you make. You can destroy your life every time you choose, but maybe you won't know for 20 years, and you'll never ever trace it to its source. And you can get one chance, and you only get one chance to play it out. Just try and figure out your own divorce. And they say there's no fate, but there is. It's what you create. Even uh, though the world goes on for eons and eons, you are here for a fraction of a fraction of a second. Most of your time is spent being dead or not yet born. And while alive, you wait in vain, wasting years for a phone call or a letter or a look for from someone or something to make it all right and it never comes or it seems to but doesn't and so you spend your time in vague regret or vaguer hope for something good to come along something to make you feel connected something to make you feel whole something to make you feel loved um and that's pretty much what all of these stories kind of embody like the hazel thing like it, it's 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 what stories are it's what life's life is and to that degree, it really breaks the mystique, I guess, because every movie's just kind of that. But, like, it's just that thing where, like, communication breakdown is the heart of all problems. <laughs> like, yeah. him and Hazel could have worked out if they just communicated better, you know? Um, it, and it's the thing that gets me the most about Charlie Coffin movies, uh -huh. where you're right, every movie is about that. Yeah. But then at the end, they're like, hey, we made it work. You know, <laughs> yeah. all these fun guffaws that we went through. Yeah. By the end of it, yeah. Hey, it all worked out. Yeah. That's the thing about Charlie Coffin yeah. movies is where that monologue happens. I'm watching it and I'm crying. I'm like, it probably won't. <laughs> and a Charlie Coffin movie ends, and you're like, ah, fuck, it didn't. It didn't yeah. work out for Caden. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's a point earlier in the film where he tries to kill himself, which is kind of connected to like a point where, um you know something we glossed over earlier is he's having a, a meeting with this therapist and this therapist tells him about a four-year-old who wrote a book about like neo-nazis and like falling into it and stuff like that and yada yada and he's like how did a four-year-old write, write a book or whatever and she's like i killed himself when he was five <laughs> it's crazy but anyways he was like why would a five-year-old kill himself and she goes why would you and he's like what and she's like why would anybody or something like that oh no she or goes, why, why did you, did you? Yeah. And he goes, what? And she goes, why would you yeah. yeah but anyways so there's a point later on where he follows hazel uh, with her, her 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 husband and her kids and he's on the rooftop watching them they're also on the rooftop and he goes to jump but someone stops him then fast forward to late stage in the play they're on that same rooftop he's with hazel and hazel's like oh my god this is a vacation i took with my husband at the time and sam the guy who plays 
Caden at this point, who has now had Hazel stolen back from him because he was dating Hazel, and now Charlie Kaufman, or I mean Philip Seymour Hoffman, is back Ooh. with Hazel, and he's like, uh oh you know it's a beautiful thing whatever the fuck he says he's not necessarily sad but he decides to jump and kill himself and he falls and he falls through like the floor a little bit it kind of breaks underneath him and this is a rough scene it kind of reminds me of the death scene from slc punk but i guess in just a little more mature better movie <laughs> but he's just like no no sam that's not right somebody stop me sam i don't kill myself here like he's just yeah. yelling in anger at a clearly dead body you know uh, but i do uh, we've missed a huge part of this movie his dad dying is that what you're gonna go for no the tiny sam yeah. uh, well yes i'll get to that in a second but sam the guy who plays him it's just a guy who stalked him for 20 years has been watching him for 20 years so yeah you see him a lot in the beginning him. of the movie yeah exactly but, yeah. he's just hidden in the background or yeah. not so hidden in the background yeah when he kills himself sam it's because he sees him and evelyn together and go oh this is beautiful I've been watching you for X amount of years. You've done it. You're in love. Mm -hmm. You're finally happy. And now I can die. Mm -hmm. It's very sad. Um, and some of the stuff I was reading or whatever, um, Sam might be God? God. Sam, the name Samuel in Hebrew like relates to God or of God or something like that. And he knows a lot about Caden and like knows what he's thinking and stuff like that. Like there's that part in the where they're rehearsing with his actual wife and he's Sam says something and then the wife gets mad and Caden's like I didn't say that and she goes yeah but he said it which means you were thinking it and I was like oh that's fucked um um what was I say it's so hard to talk about this movie oh yeah so much is happening I would like to know what somebody who's listening to this who hasn't seen the movie thinks this movie's about yeah um but to backtrack a bunch I love, for me, one of the hardest scenes to watch. So when he starts going to, like, the doctor's office because his leg won't stop shaking for some yeah. reason, that's very funny. But then he runs into Hazel on the street, and she yeah. tells him, yeah, I've been married to Derek for so-and-so, and we're just here with the boys. And he's like, oh, the boys, and he's shaking because of his leg. Yeah. She goes, yeah, twins, I got two boys. And he goes, how old are they? And she goes, five. And he's like, five. Yeah. That's tough to watch, mm -hmm. like him running into his ex-girlfriend. Yeah doesn't seem like that long ago to him or yeah. us because it just happened in the yeah. movie um anyway sam kills himself yeah and also earlier his dad passed away caden's dad and uh there's a point where his mom's like there was so little left of when they had to fill the uh the the coffin with cotton balls to stop him from rattling around then it zooms out and it's the tiniest coffin ever and it's slowly being lowered into the ground funniest like a funniest it is hilarious but then when it gets sad is later on when like he goes to sam's funeral or whatever and he's talking to his wife who's the leading actress or whatever i think or maybe it's hazel or maybe it isn't even sam's funeral but he's at a, a funeral maybe it's his mom's i don't even know but he's at a funeral and he like looks over and he sees his dad at the funeral and then it hard cuts to like him talking to her later and he's like was my dad at the funeral and she's mm -hmm. like what what are you talking about and he's like oh he's like a tall guy like did you see my dad at the funeral she's like i didn't see your dad caden or something like that you know yeah i think sad he was, to me yeah that makes sense he died a few years ago yeah anyways uh eventually the um oh no he's at his mom's funeral with the woman who is playing hazel in yeah. the play and then they Smash. Which they have sex in a child's bed, which, like I said, makes me think maybe Charlie Kaufman had some a few specific interactions in his life because that comes back and I, yeah. I'm thinking of ending things. Yeah, exactly. Um, towards the tail end, also Hazel dies from smoke inhalation from the fire that's uh, ever raging at her house. 
right after they connect finally and yeah. decide to be together it's very sad yeah and he finally decides that he wants the play to be the day before she died because that was the only time he was truly happy yeah it's very all all over all this that's movie, sad, yeah. he keeps calling her and she's had the same voicemail for 40 years like yeah. leave a message or don't it's your dime mm -hmm. but i do i really like it's very sad when she dies and he calls he leaves her, her voicemail yeah leaves her voicemail because i think i know how to end the play it's like, yeah oh, so sad okay let's talk about the ending yes I don't understand it all. He uh, wakes up, wanders through the empty set, through the empty set, within the empty set, wanders through the empty set, within the empty set, while listening to Evelyn, who is the actual cleaning lady, who has become him in yeah. the play and is the director, and she's instructing him to go and go and go. Eventually, he finds a lady who plays Evelyn's mom in the play, who he knows this very specific interaction they had. They had, they had this, like, a picnic together, and he... Well, Evelyn told her, like, in 10, 20 years' time, whatever the fuck it is, like, I want to have one with my daughter right here, just like this one. And they talk a little bit about that. Then he asks if he put his head on her shoulder. He does. They hold each other, and then the movie kind of ends. He says, I know how to end the play. And yeah. I, from what I gathered, he dies. Yeah. Um, the whole Evelyn is the most confusing part of this movie to me. Yes. Along with the ending. Yes. Um... The most like concrete idea I can get out of it, okay. After even after all the analyses that I watched, yeah, and stuff like that, him and Evelyn are the same person, okay. Because um, you never see real Evelyn, yeah. You just see the woman who plays Evelyn in the play, uh -huh. who ends up playing him in the play when he needs a break, mm -hmm. and they switch places. So she plays him, and he starts playing Evelyn. So all he does all day is clean. Mm -hmm. because that makes him feel good and secure like yeah, you get earlier he does earlier yes. yeah uh, he cleans Adele's um, studio in their basement when they live together instead of later when he's cleaning her apartment yeah um, and it kind of stick with me here it ties back to all the some of the miscommunication um, and the woman on the phone calling him ma'am or Evelyn accidentally calling him. There is also a point where someone or, asks him, would you have been more comfortable as a girl? Like exactly. he says, like, sometimes yeah, I feel like there. I would have been more comfortable as a girl. Um, when he calls Adele before he has a seizure, she calls him Evelyn. And then he has a seizure, calls the phone, they call yeah. him ma'am. And when he's having sex with the woman who is playing um, Adele, not Adele, who's playing Hazel in the play. Mm-hmm. Um, he tells her she's pretty and he goes, I wish I could be pretty like that, like yeah. a girl. And she goes, do you want to be a girl? And he goes, no, sometimes I just think I'd be I would have been better yeah. at it. And then does that then fit into the, the my lover Eric? Maybe. Because there's a point where Evelyn is in bed with Eric. Exactly. Um, and then there's a point where we laughed and we made a joke out of it because he's you know playing Evelyn and he's got an earpiece in where um, the real Evelyn as him is directing him through his life, basically. And from what I can kind of gather from the movie is everything in his life at every point in this to make himself feel better what he thinks he needs is a woman in his life yeah and it's maybe kind of being shown by the end of this as he's becoming more and more evelyn mm. that he's finding whatever he was looking for from women in himself mm. so he's quote unquote becoming more of a woman but not in like that kind of way where it's like oh I don't think he's transgender or I don't think he's like oh things would have been better if I was a woman it's just another way to like symbolically show him yeah. 
becoming who he wants to be, which is what he was seeking from women his whole life. Do you get mm. what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Okay. Is that wild? Is that uh, a bunch of horseshit? Mm-hmm. It's the most sense I can make out of the other yeah. stuff. But anyways, this is a crazy movie. Hard to talk about. Hope any of that made sense. Uh, because, yeah, like I said, I mean, um, it's a very ambitious project that, again, something like Magnolia just tries to, in a sense, map out or take a snapshot of, like, just the tangled web that we weave and the interconnectedness of everything, in a sense. And... Uh, yeah, it's about decisions. It's about mistakes. It's a, uh, it's about life. Uh, I feel like I gotta give it like a B. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm really torn on this one. Yeah. I like this movie quite a bit. Yeah. But I have no idea what I would give it. Yeah. Um. I. I want to say B, but that might be because you just said it. But also, like. <laughs> I don't know if I love this movie or I just like it. Yeah. You know, um, I feel like I might have to see it another time, but I don't know. Um, yeah, for right now, I'm gonna give it a B, I guess. Yeah, it's very ambitious, like you said. I mean, it is a, a you know, it's one like that I like a lot. For it's sure. like nothing I've ever seen before, which I'll give that. Yeah, a lot. I was never bored. It made me laugh quite a bit yeah. all the way through it. Uh, and I'm super impressed at how dramatic and funny it is all at the same oh, time. Oh, yeah. No, I'm very impressed by it. I think it's definitely an achievement. I just, I don't know. It's just a little, like I said, indulgent and kind of absolutely niche. Yeah. Like, I could see a lot of people not liking it. Yeah. I not mean, that that's ever a factor. It's just one of the things that comes to mind. It's just that thing about how it's like, I don't know. Yeah. It's an oddball. Yeah. It's an odd one, and like yeah, I, 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 I commend it for that one hundred percent. Yeah, but I just I cannot tell if, yeah, I just can't tell if I think this movie is genius or a bit self indulgent. Yeah, or a lot self indulgent. I think it's both, and that's one of the yeah. things is that it's like I can't necessarily push it onto somebody like, oh, this is gonna be one of the best movies you ever seen. Yeah, it's definitely gonna be an experience, and it's good. It's really good. Uh-huh. It's really good. I just don't know if it's one of the best movies ever made. Yeah. Not that any movie has to be. I mean. No, no, absolutely. As long as it's not an F, that means I liked the movie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you yeah. know. Anyways, we watched another movie. Yeah, we watched Rocky. Yeah. Soroctody, New York? Or Rocknectody, New York? Title of the episode, I'm thinking. I'm not having a stroke, I promise. Yeah, I don't know. I got nothing for Okay. Well, yeah, we watched Rocky because I've been bothering Chris about it forever. And luckily we got some mail about it. Rocky. Sly Stallone is... Whoa. Bad thunder outside. That wasn't in the letter. There's just, just literally thundering. Sly Stallone is the opposite of Charlie Kaufman. That big guy loves life and loves living. Are you a no-good bum from the old neighborhood who hasn't amounted to nothing? No problem. It'll all be okay. Punch, run, and jump rope your heart out, and you'll be on the fast track to a good life. But in all seriousness, films from the 70s were just built different, and the Rocky films are the perfect example. All heart, a little fat, and no wasting your time. It's all good. Watch it. Heart, 8 out of 10. Chris, what's your history of the Rocky? Used to watch them with my grandfather. Rest Ooh. in peace. Oh, rest in peace, Grandpa. Rest in peace, Grandpa. What's your history of the Rocky? Um, God, I 
feel like we should be talking about a spooky I know. movie. Uh, <laughs> All this thunder. What did you hear through the Rocky? <laughs> thunder lips. <laughs> thunder lips, yes. Uh, you're going to hit lightning and then you're going to crap thunder. thunder. Um, fuck, we should have said that first. Um, yeah, Rocky's just obviously a movie that I've been aware of my entire life, and I had never really uh, taken the time to watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple of years ago, I was like, you know, I'm going to watch I'm gonna watch Rocky. And I watched It was, a, it was a dark and stormy night. It was a dark and stormy night. I rented Rocky on Amazon. Was I this during it. Wisdom Teeth Removal? It was, I think, right before it. Oh, okay. And I was like, oh, Chef's Kiss, Rocky's one of the best movies I've ever seen. And then I bought the box set of all of them and immediately got my wisdom teeth removed. So I watched the rest of the Rocky movies plus Creed 1 and 2. Um, just high as hell on prescription painkillers and spitting so much blood into a bucket while Rocky's <laughs> just bleeding and spitting blood into a bucket. And I'm like, yeah. get him, Rock. Yeah. And I highly recommend that be the f- way you see Rocky for the yeah. first time. Um, from, go on. Okay. From the rip. Uh, two through five, less so five, and even Rocky Balboa to a degree. But I'm really talking about the 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 prime sequels like two, three, four. Great fun, great movies, but movie movies definitely spectacles. Absolutely, just that thing yeah. where you're like, woof, that is a fun. thrill ride. A lot oh, of fun. Oh man, look at him picking up those logs while Drago's yeah. hooked up to a computer while on a treadmill. Which is uh, crazy because again, it reminds me of. Uh, um, Rocky is to the sequels a lot like something like uh, like 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 Terminator from the other day, where it's like, whoa, yeah. this was a really like low budget, earnest attempt, with no idea, not even a glimmer in the eye of anybody that this would perhaps yeah. be this mega movie, yeah, franchise, you know, or something like Halloween, you know, where it's just yeah. like who would have thought they would make nine of those things <laughs> but yeah no it's something that i like about the rocky movies is they kind of like i mean because that's what he's doing while stallone is writing these movies they're just reflecting his life at the time mm-hmm. so as he becomes one of the biggest movie stars in the world fighting russians these movies become more and more big blockbuster yeah hollywood movies yeah but this movie, the first Rocky, mm-hmm. is just untouchable. Yeah, it is. I, I think just top to bottom, one of the best movies ever made. Mm. Um, and it just has so, uh, so much heart. Mm. And I think Rocky two does as well to a degree, but not obviously not as much as this one. Mm-hmm. And then, like, like I think we talked about this before. This one, he fights Apollo. Mm-hmm. Got to prove that he's not a bum from the neighborhood. He's got the stuff with Adrian and Polly and blah 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 this and that. And then two, he's like, oh geez, how do I deal with this fame? Got to fight Apollo again. Um, this really compelling boxer who you know was here for the spectacle at the first, and now he has to prove himself again and this and that. And then I lost, and then I won, yada yada. And then three starts, and Mr. T's like, yo, Rocky, I want to fuck your wife. And he's <laughs> like, oh, I can't let that happen. I gotta punch him to death. Yeah. Um. First and foremost, the story that pretty much everybody knows, Sylvester Stallone shopped this around for a while, and the biggest point of contention was that he wanted to play Rocky, and nobody really wanted him to. Really glad he did. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, uh, yes, yeah, Stallone is perfect in this role. Yeah. Um, Fun fact, had no money, had to sell his dog before selling this movie because he just couldn't afford to yeah. feed his dog, which is so upsetting. Yeah. And then sold this, made a lot of money, but not nearly as much as he would have if he didn't play Rocky. Yeah. Um, and then bought back his dog, uh-huh. 
which is butt kiss in this movie, which <laughs> makes me so happy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, right from the rip, Sylvester Stallone uh, just nails who Rocky is oh, as absolutely. a person. Um, that was something that surprised me the most the first time I saw this. Everyone, you know, you hear all the Stallone impressions and stuff like that. Stallone is not like that at all in real life. Like when you hear him talk, he's a really articulate guy. Yeah. No one told me that Rocky is the dumbest motherfucker. <laughs> like I, the first time I watched this movie, I was like, oh, this is the dumbest guy to ever exist. Uh-huh. And it makes him so good and endearing. Yeah. Because he's the just the again, the stupidest guy you've ever met. But uh-huh. He's. I like this movie just has so much heart that you mm-hmm. can't not love him it's yeah. so good it's the thing that sells the movie i think it's the thing that gets you invested is all of the talk you know from people like mickey about like how you got a heart kid you just got so much heart but you know yada 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 um is that yes sylvester stallone specifically like the thing that just oozes off of every frame is like this dude has a fucking heart of gold yeah you know what i mean this is a special individual and it's they got don't... like such a unique kind of charisma that uh, you don't really see in movies anymore yeah. Yeah. He's just like, you know, um, at your most cynical, a lot of people can be like, ah, everybody's just a fucking jerk. I hate people, whatever. Um, but this is a story of like the guy who restores your faith in humanity. Like that one yeah. dude, you know, who's just a good person, top to bottom. You know? Yeah. I like, there's so many mo- moments in this movie, like even small little ones where I just, they make me smile ear to ear because mm-hmm. What's happening isn't good. Yeah. But Rocky is so upbeat and optimistic about everything. He makes, with the exception of Paulie, everybody feel better. Yeah. Like, I love, 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 and I'm sure you do too. I love the scene where he's ice skating with Adrian. Mm-hmm. Um, and hell, this, this, uh, the behind the scenes story of that even echoes what I'm saying now. Um, that was supposed to be just a scene where they're just at an ice skating rink. Mm hmm but they could not afford the extras. <laughs> and so when they got there, on the fly, Stallone rewrote the scene so it would make sense that it's just the two yeah. of them there after hours. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's per- That's exactly like the rest of this yeah. movie. Here's a bad situation. He's like, I'm just going to make the best of that. Yeah. And this scene, I think, is better for it. Yeah. Or just the two of them are there. But what, what I was getting at is, again, he makes the date nice or whatever. And then like, yeah. even like when she falls a little bit, and like his finger gets dislocated yeah. and she's like oh gross gross he goes no it's fine just look push the button boop, yeah. and now it's fine i'm like oh that's so good yeah. i love it um the other thing is uh i also think this is like a really 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 well written screenplay oh yeah um every interaction is just laden with uh who each character is and their dynamic and what their goal is and how those things conflict and how their own emotions inhibit them saying some things or underline what is being said with what is meant um but yeah it's just a marvel between like i said you know sylvester stallone knocking out of the park with his performance as rocky and also knocking out of the park with as you said earlier one of the best movies ever made that you know making this in my opinion one of the best scripts like this is a really really good story um we start off with rocky uh you know kind of just eating fucking punches uh he's fighting to be fair we end with this movie with rocky yeah punches he's boxing like shit especially though yeah um fighting what people will later refer to as a bum but he wins spider rico um later on he is only awarded forty dollars of the 75 that he won because uh 15 for locker five for you know that kind of a thing uh rocky goes home um may feed his turtles 
Cuff and Link. Cuff and Link. It's just a garbage, I, 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 garbage apartment. But I yeah. know you've never seen the Green movies. Yeah. And I don't imagine you will if I uh, know you. But Rocky is Creed's trainer in those movies, yeah. and he has two turtles in it. And he goes, hey, what's up, Cuff? What's up, Link? Yeah. Those are the same turtles that are, uh, <laughs> apparently uh, Sylvester Stallone still has. Like, they're wow. his yeah. pet turtles. Yeah. Um, then he's just kind of out on a stroll uh, during the day. I remember very vividly there's a point uh, where he's walking around with a ball, which he carries for the rest of the movie. Then he has a big-ass stick for some reason. Uh, um, sorry, to get before we get too far away, I hate the hat. Hats yeah. in all these movies. I hate Rocky's <laughs> hat. It looks so dumb. Yeah. In the first one, I really paid it no mind. Um, but yeah, he's got a big stick for some reason. The guy drives by on like a like a high or whatever the fuck those so things are called. He's at the docks. And he like yeah. chases him. He's like, hey, hey, hey. And he like hits the thing with it. Then he shakes this guy down for money. Turns out that's what he does day to day to like, you know, make cash as he shakes people down. But he's also, again, got a heart of gold. The dude's like, I, I only got 130. I don't have 200 for Mr. Gaza or whatever. And he's like, you know, he takes it. And uh, he goes to talk to Mr. Gazzo, and Mr. Gazzo's like, hey, when I tell you to break a fucking thumb, you break a fucking thumb. He's like, I know, but think about it. You know, I break his thumb, and, you know, now he can't work. Now he can't pay you back kind of a thing. And he's like, listen, I don't care about any of that. You know what I mean? People are going to start thinking yeah. me as a joke if you don't start doing what I say. You know, if my threats are empty, people are going to notice that kind of a thing. And it's something that, like, it, like, again, reflects who Rocky is. I don't know why. But Gazzo is the nicest crime boss I've ever seen. Probably because I think he knows who Rocky is and what yeah. a sweet guy he is. And he's like, he's not that upset about yeah. it. He's like, ah, okay, Rocky, when I yeah. tell you to break someone's thumb, break yeah. them. just can, can you please next time yeah. for me break somebody's thumb? Or even later when he gets the big fight and he's like, or he finds out he's dating Adrian. He's like, hey, here's some money. Go yeah. take, go take Adrian. 50 bucks, okay. yeah. yeah. It's great. I, I love Gazzo. I think yeah. he's great in this movie. Um, then he goes to his uh, locker, finds out that Mickey has given his locker away because Absolutely. he's. I'm so I'm so sorry to keep interrupting you, but I love when he goes to open his locker, tries it a couple times, goes huh, and pulls out of his, his hat the combination. He's got the yeah. combination because he's like, I'm Rocky. I know I'm Rocky. Yeah. Sometimes I forget things, and yeah. there's a good chance I forgot the combination. Yeah. Very endearing. Uh, but yeah, Mickey gave away his locker, and Mickey gives a big speech about how he's like, uh, you got talent. You had it 10 years. You did nothing with it. You wasted it. You had heart. You know, that kind of a thing. But, like, you're out of here. You're a bum. You know, he's you like, hey. breaking legs. Yeah. It's a living. It's yeah. a waste of life. Yeah. He's like, hey, I won last night or ever. He's like, oh, yeah? He's like, hey, who won? He's like, yeah, yeah. Who'd you fight? Spider Rico. Spider Rico, he's a bum, and so are you, you know? Yeah. Burgess Meredith is just fucking so good in these movies. Unbelievable. Yes. Um... From there, I think we may get a scene where he stops in to talk to Adrian at the pet store. Um, I like their interactions because you can see that Adrian is like interested, but she's really shy. And I think even earlier, you, you got a shot of him in his own mirror, like rehearsing the joke about how the thing where he's like, "Hey, you know," like he doesn't even finish the joke. He just says like, "Yeah, last time I bought a, uh, last time I bought a uh, turtle food here is uh, more moths than flies, or whatever." And so when he goes into the the the, the shop, yeah, he, he says to her, he's like, "Hey, you know, last uh, turtle food I bought, it's uh, some more moths than flies. You know what happens with the turtles? They uh, they eat it, and the moths they get stuck in there." In their uh, in their throat, or whatever, and they start coughing, or whatever, and I hit them back in their shell. You know what happens to them? You get shell shocked. <laughs> like it's you know, so good. I love it, and I love like it's it's one of those scenes where it's like, 
obviously it's the first time we're seeing it, but you can, uh, like the gist that you're getting here is Rocky comes by every single day with a new yeah. joke for Adrian. And yeah. She's just the shy girl that works behind yeah. the counter. And I think he even that. says like, I'll be back later and I'll have another joke. Yeah. And it's just like, it's like, she's, I think she plays it perfectly. Yeah. Cause she like looks at him when he's leaving and stuff. Yeah. And, like, if a, not like cute way. a little too understated, but yeah. yeah, I think, um, I can't remember her name. I'm so sorry, but the woman who plays Adrian, mm-hmm. sister of Francis Ford Coppola, oh. um, yeah, she just plays it like she just gives me these little glances or these just like little half smiles where it's like, I do like Rocky. Yeah. I do really appreciate that yeah. Rocky comes here every day mm-hmm. and has a different bad joke that he wrote <laughs> for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from there, he might go hang out with Paulie a little bit. I think he might go talk to her about like, hey, how come you uh you just, yeah, I think he goes and sees Polly at the at the, the bar. Yeah, he's in the bathroom. He's like, I like to kill the son of a bitch who broke this damn mirror or whatever. Uh, but anyways, yeah, they talk. He's like, he's like, how come your sister don't like me much or whatever, you know? I love before he gets on the bar, just another little Rocky the good guy thing. There's that bum on the street just yeah. asleep, and Rocky just picks him up, brings yeah. him in the bar, and puts him in a booth. Yeah. So good. Um, anyways, yeah, they talk about that a little bit. He's like, I'll talk to her, I'll talk to her, whatever. You might get the cutaway now where, like, Apollo lays out that he's having that big fight. Yeah. And I think it might be the one where he's talking to the promoter about how he's like he's got a he's got a break in his right hand or whatever he can't he can't mm-hmm. box. And he's like, Okay, well if we can't deliver the best match or whatever, let's deliver a spectacle. He's like, We're in the city, you know, we're in Philadelphia, let's find you know, let's give an average man a shot at it. It's like uh, the American dream, you know, everybody gets their chance, you know, comes around kind of a thing, you know, I'm feeling charitable. Let's let's yeah. put on a spectacle. It's know? insane to me. I'm sure that uh, this happens later in another cutaway with Apollo Creed. But the idea of them going through physical books, yeah. looking at all the boxers in Philadelphia, like, what is this book? Yeah. What What do you think the title of that book is? Just the <laughs> boxers of Philadelphia? Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, I like that concept a lot. Like I said, you know, it, it is a uh, it is a spectacle. It is something that uh, I feel like uh, is plausible to some degree, especially at that time. Nowadays, I don't know, but uh, but yeah, just that idea of like you know. The, the thing I like the most about like Rocky is that aspect of it like like him as a symbol for hope that's one of the things I'm most a sucker for in film it's one of the big things that uh, Star Wars does for me above all else because um, I'm really not that into like spacey sci-fi uh, I'm more of like a medieval guy but also I don't really like Lord of the Rings I just mean that like like if I'm gonna play a video game or whatever, like I don't really want to have a blaster up in space. I usually like like fighting dragons or whatever. But I'm not like a huge nerd for either, I guess. That's what makes us such good friends. Is I'm the exact opposite. <laughs> hey, of course, you got gaps. I got gaps. Yeah. We fill each other's gaps. Um, but the thing that always gets me is that aspect of hope. Like that's such like that's one of those things mm-hmm. that really, I think. Maybe I'm being po- too poetic, but like I, I don't know. Just like, it's like such a human trait. Um, mm-hmm. Just that idea that, like, yeah, but things could get better. Um, yeah, that's what I like about Apollo Creed uh-huh. is him and Rocky, kind of the same guy, mm-hmm. except that Apollo Creed is one thousand times smarter than Rocky. But I like that Apollo Creed happens to be the world heavyweight champion, but yeah. also a great businessman. Mm-hmm. And just like Rocky, this bad thing happens where this guy breaks his arm, and Apollo's like, "Well, hey." doesn't have to be all bad yeah I mean, just get a get well, yeah a, yeah make a spectacle out of it yeah i think it's a symbolic of like the two sides of like whether or not you got lucky yeah apollo creed got lucky he was also very talented but you know as mickey's gym kind of you know also signifies there are a lot of talented boxers yeah a lot of really talented boxers absolutely 
Um, sometimes, like Rocky, they don't do anything with it, you know? Is it his fault? I don't know. We don't really see, you know? He seems to blame other people. It's probably a little bit his fault, too. You know? That's usually how things go. Yeah. But anyways, uh, yeah, I really like that idea of, like, like later on, we'll get to it when we get to it, um, when they want to interview Rocky. I can't remember exactly how the the reporter says it, but she says it with, like, such care and compassion where she's like, relax, it's very low stakes, we just want something to give to people at home. Mm-hmm. And that's the best way to sum up, you know, Apollo's attention, intentions, but also, like, how well that goes over, like, how you don't see it too much. Yeah. But, yeah, I am overwhelmed with that idea, like, in that moment of, like, wow, like, yeah, just that thing where it's, like, this is the guy that makes you feel like dreams come true yeah um but anyways they decide on the italian stalin stallion apollo likes the name that's kind of yeah. it. <laughs> uh we get the scene where uh rocky lands a date with adrian uh very tense scene because paulie kind of comes in he Piece hasn't shit hate yeah paulie hate yeah. him so much he hasn't actually told adrian even though he told rocky that he asked her and she wanted to it's thanksgiving she's making a turkey you know, he's like, she's like, oh, come on, Paulie, it's Thanksgiving, I got a turkey in the oven. He's like, oh, you got a turkey in the oven. He, like, pulls it out, and he throws it in the back of He's like, you want the turkey? Yeah, go out in the alley and eat the turkey. But I love that he rips the leg off first, yeah. and he's just eating And then later on, he's like, seat. hey, Rocky, you want some turkey? <laughs> she goes in the, you know, bedroom or whatever, and he's like, oh, whatever. And Rocky's like, ah, oh, man, Paulie, you know, I feel like I should go kind of a thing, you know. And he's like, no, 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 talk to her. He's like, I don't know what to say or whatever. And he, like, knocks on the door. Don't remember what he says here. Do you remember what he says here? Uh, he's just like trying to very like sweetly like hey I think me and you could have a good time but yeah. I love the acting from Stallone here where he's just like every now and then looking over at Polly and just perfectly in his eyes like what what the fuck is happening yeah, right now yeah. um, and I think it's a great scene because he's yeah. so defeated in mm-hmm. this just like oh, I guess I'm guess I'm gonna try everything I can yeah to get her to come out and go on a date with me but I love that when she's open opens the door. She's ready, which means the yeah. entire time he was doing that, she was like, well, I'm getting ready for my day with Rocky yeah. right now. Yeah. They go out, like you said, I, I, I really do love that, like, they go into the, the 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 ice skating rink, and she's like, oh, it's closed. He's like, hey, you know, I'll, let me let me schmooze a little bit or whatever. And he goes hey, talk to the guy. Is this close to the general public? Or? Yeah. And he's like, no, it's closed. And he's like, you know, what about if I paid you just for, like, 10 minutes of the ice kind of thing? He's like, 10 minutes, $10. He's like, $8. He's like, 10 minutes, $10. He's like, $9. He's like, 10 minutes and the place is yours kind of a thing. And he's like, all right, and he pays him $10 or whatever and they ice skate and they have a nice conversation you know like i can remember at one point he's like hey why do you think i fight she's he's, she's like why and he's like because i can't sing a day dance hey yo yeah, <laughs> so good yeah yeah and I, yeah no i love their that their conversation is basically just him talking to her and every yeah. now and then she's like oh yeah no definitely yeah she's so unbelievably shy yeah but i do love that a little bit where he's like yeah dance i i, I fight because you know my old man told me, hey, your brains ain't that good, so you got to work up your body. And yeah. she laughs. She goes, hey, why is that funny? And she's like, ah, my mom told me the opposite. He's like, no kidding. Your mom told you that? And she's like, yeah, my mom told me my body wasn't no good, so I'd have to start working up my brains. Yeah. And they so get kicked, sad. They get kicked off the ice. Also, yeah, like I said, the dislocated. Then there's the scene where like he invites her up to the apartment. She like doesn't, the yeah, she doesn't really want to go up there. Yeah. But then she does. He says he only has to piss, but then he, like, takes off his, like, sweater or whatever, and he sits down, and he tries to show off the turtles, and he talks about how he's like, yeah, about the turtles, you know, just so I could kind of go in there, and he was like, and the rocks, and the bowl, and I had that mountain, but the mountain didn't really work out, because I'd climb up there, and then they fall over, and it'd be turned over, and I'd have to flip them over, so I had to get rid of the mountain, you know, he's like, and I come in there, and I get food for me, and stuff like that. Like, if this scene was just him being like, hey, come up, and she's like, 
hey, no, it's the 70s. If someone sees me going into a guy's apartment and then coming out, yeah. that's bad yeah. news bears. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, no, come up. I want to yeah. show you my turtles. I would yeah. like this scene. But when like yeah. she's trying to leave and he's like, has his hand against the door and stuff yeah. like that, I'm like, mm, this isn't good. Yeah. There is the little point where she's like, Rocky, I've never been alone in a man's apartment. I really shouldn't be here. I don't belong. Mm-hmm. And she's like, he's like, what do you mean? You're my guest. I invited you in here kind of a thing. But yeah, you're right. There is a big part of it that's a little... Uh, but then they end up kissing, making out pretty hard, hot and heavy. Um, and now they're together forever. Yeah, inseparable. Um, I think the next day he goes and talks to... Apollo's people? Yeah, because I think what happens is he like goes into Mickey's for some reason. And, and someone's like, hey, there's a guy that came around earlier looking for you. He's a promoter or whatever. He goes mm. to the promoter. And I love this scene because he goes in and yeah. uh, he gives the, the girl like the the little, you know, memo or whatever he had gotten. And before he leaves, because it's already been established that like he's got all those pictures that he showed. Yeah. He likes hanging on to little things. I mean, even like his mirror is covered in pictures of his family and mm-hmm, him and stuff mm-hmm. like that. He asks her if he can keep that little thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because it's a big deal to him. And he goes in there and he's not making eye contact and he's speaking very low, but he's like, you know, Rocky, I want you to fight the champ. And he's like, oh yeah, you know, like I'm a, I'm a pretty good sparer. You know, I'm telling you, I'd be a really good sparring partner. You know, I don't, I don't play dirty. I don't pull any punches or whatever. Like I, I, I think I'd be a really, really good sparring partner if that's what, you know, the champ needs kind of a thing. He's like, I don't think you're getting me, Rocky. He's like, I want you to fight Apollo Creed for the championship. And he's like, no. Yeah, I love he's it. Like, he's like, would you like to fight fight him yeah. for the heavyweight champion? <laughs> he's just sitting there just yeah. like looking not at anybody. He's yeah. just, no. Yeah, and he's like, what are you talking about, Rock? Wouldn't you want to fight like the champion? He's like, the call. yeah, he's like, without, you know, with no with, you know, with no due respect or whatever. I mean, he's, he's the champ. He's, he's the best. He's like, there's nobody better than him. He's like, I, you know, I, it wouldn't be a good fight, you know? Uh-huh. But eventually he does uh, agree. And, uh, yeah. From here, whatever. We don't have to keep necessarily going scene to scene. Um, but a few things happen. Yeah, we did forget to <laughs> mention the scene where... Uh, uh, no, I don't think we forgot to mention. The, 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 the Adrian thing must happen after he's had this conversation because that's... I don't know. The guys will give him 50 bucks, whatever. We'd already talked about it a little bit. Uh, the next thing that happens is he's basically going to train himself because as far as he can figure, no one's ever done anything for him kind of a thing. And he's going to do yeah. it himself. There's a point where he's on TV. Yes. And it's a very sweet scene. They're like trying to ask him questions and he's like all like kind of clammy and stuff. And he's like, hey, can I say something real quick? Hey, yo, Adrian. And like, you know, he says that whole thing. And I love that because they're watching it yeah. together on the couch. He's like, huh? Yeah. And afterwards he's like, hey, how'd you like hearing your name on TV? You know? very sweet saying i love it because you know with the yo adrian thing it's the first time that he comes out of his shell like on tv because the whole time he's like oh yeah i don't know oh yeah 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 he's like can i say something real quick hey yo adrian you know good um mickey comes to him and this is another like just two powerhouses chewing up the scene like this is one of the things i'm talking about might be my favorite scene yeah where they're wandering around the whole thing is like staged like a uh like a play like one of the things i was thinking was like you know, there's not a lot of tight shots. It's a lot of Rocky and his environment. And I think it's like an older cinematography style. A lot of things are pretty tight these days. Mm-hmm. Not to say everything is. A lot of things aren't. But especially in the 70s, tight was kind of unheard of. But I think this is a, I think this is a very well shot film. 
because I think having a very good sort of like understanding or whatever of like Rocky in his environment is good. Um, and that bleeds into everything. And it's something that's inherent in any script, but this one just does it so well, like Rocky and his boss mm-hmm. and how that's going. Yeah. Pays the bills kind of. His boss is kind of nice to him, you know, but it's not ideal. You can just tell. He doesn't seem super unhappy, but obviously it's not what he wants to be doing. Um, Rocky getting up at four in the morning to go running and is like run down street. Nobody yeah. else is there. Like, or uh, the first time that he climbs the steps and everything's all hazy because it's early in the morning. Um, but anyways, like his, yeah, his relationship to Mickey or his relationship with Paulie or I don't know. There's just something about seeing him. Like, let me put it to you this way. Um, in terms of great use of like the screen, there's, there's, after, we'll talk about the, the Mickey conversation, oh. but after he turns Mickey away, Mickey, they turn to this really wide shot of Rocky street and Mickey comes down the stairs and he's walking down the sidewalk cause you can still hear Rocky screaming. And then Rocky comes down, and way back in like the back right corner of the screen, you can see Mickey and Rocky. You can't hear anything, but Rocky sticks his hand out to shake Mickey's hand, and then he runs back into his apartment. And you can tell through that, like, Rocky's changed his mind. He wants Mickey to... Yeah, no, they shake hands, yeah. and then the train comes by. It's like, ooh, that's yeah. so good. But anyways, what happens in this scene is Mickey comes by, you know, really trying to shield his intentions. He's Literally like, hat in hand. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, Rocky. Yeah, and just like Rocky, because it's probably a boxer thing, he's got all these clippings and pictures of himself, mm-hmm. just the same way that Rocky carries around all these pictures from his fights, you know. He's talking about his experience and, like, what he knows and how, what he can give to Rocky. And after just a long time of just pacing around this apartment and following Rocky over here. Rocky's just letting him over there. sweat. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, at the end of it, he was like... He was like, you want to help me? You want to give this to me? Yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah. I needed it 10 years ago. Yeah. Where were you 10 years ago? How come you don't want to give it to me 10 years ago? You never asked. He goes, I asked all the time. Mickey. You just didn't hear me. You just didn't want to hear. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. And I love, love when he goes into the bathroom and shuts the door. And Mickey goes to leave and goes, oh, I forgot my hat. Shuts the door, grabs the hat, and goes to go out again. And Rocky comes out of the bathroom and goes, oh, shit, you're not going yet. <laughs> shuts the door. It's like a little comedic, but it's also so tough to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um... It stinks! Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mickey leaves, and at first, uh, yeah, he just goes on a rant talking about everything. He's like, no, you want to give me help? He's like, you come to my apartment? You tell me it stinks? Go ahead, say it stinks, and stuff like that. He's like, ten years ago, he's like, I wasted all this. your fault. You want to give it to me now? It's been ten years, kind of a thing. And then eventually, he's like, yeah. He's like, that's right, my apartment. You want to come live here? It stinks. It fucking stinks. It stinks in here. And he's just yelling and shit. And then, yeah, like I said, the thing happens later where he does accept Mickey as his mm-hmm. trainer. He also eats rye eggs. Anyways. <laughs> he does. He drinks them, for sure. <laughs> yeah, like that he smokes and drinks. <laughs> Turns out, I, I, I'm pretty sure raw eggs does nothing good for you. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, he's training now. I like. I also like the like subtle ways in which Paulie's trying to kind of get a handout now that Rocky's got a big payday coming. Yeah, he's a little quickazzle. Yeah. But then it's also one of those things where, like, again, Paulie is, you know, there's more bad than good but there is a little good i mean he still does give rocky meat every morning he does yeah, i mean he has a kind of a stuff like that yeah. what's that like, i can't remember what the conversation is but like it's one of the first or second times he goes there to punch the meat yeah i don't i don't even remember what uh uh paulie says to him but he's like yeah blah, blah, blah. and i'm like he's like you balling my sister 
or something like that. And uh, he's like, you, and he's like, don't talk nerdy about your sister. And he's like, are you fucking my sister? Yeah, and he's <laughs> like, I forgot what he says to him, but it makes Rocky smile, and he goes, well, I'm gonna kill you. And it's like, oh, these guys are just the best of friends still. Yeah, but I, do I think love, it's when they run outside after that whole thing yeah. about the ball, your sister, whatever it is. I think. Um, I do love the first time Rocky. Oh goes, no, that's what it is. I, no, I think it's when he has the reporter there. Yes. He shows up in the reporter's yeah. lair. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Reporter, fun fact, I'm pretty sure from a local Michigan uh, news station. Um, but... But we were talking about... Um, the meat is what I was talking about. Yeah. I don't know about you. But I do love... They're in there. They're talking about the meat. He's like, oh, fuck. Shit, balls. Making it cold in here. Is yeah. there snow? He's like, where did all these come from? Who killed all these... I love you. He keeps asking that. Who killed all these cows? Yeah. <laughs> but they're walking through it, and it's just a little rockyism that I love. They're in the middle of a conversation, and he walks past one of the cows and, like, jabs a little bit. Yeah, he's, he's like, moo. yeah, where'd all these come from? Moo. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, that comes happens a couple of times. He comes to the, you know, meat locker. Paulie keeps meat. asking him to, like, get him a job working for Gaza. He punches the meat. There's the conversation where they have about, like, you fucking my sister kind of thing. He's like, don't talk dirty about your sister like that. One time he comes there, and the... You know, he's punching the meat for the reporters kind of a thing. And that's, you know, that's really a, a sweet scene. I like that, like, uh, Apollo's coach is, like, watching uh-huh. that. And, like, he's Apollo... Like, Yo, Apollo, this guy's wanna... punching fucking meat. We he's have like, a problem. Yeah, he's like, you don't want to take a look at this. And Apollo's like, nah, Gloria, get me another cup of coffee. But anyways... But Apollo, look at this. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, one of the other notable scenes that happens um, is... Um, Polly just flipping shit. He comes home just shit faced. Yeah, and he overhears Rocky saying the thing about how though, like, uh, you know, the uh, one second. Oh yeah, I forgot I had a bunch of notes for Synecdoche that I wasn't looking at. Real quick, I'll just also say uh, Oklahoma gets mentioned in this. Oh, I didn't notice. That's fine. Also, like, yeah. Yeah, it's never mentioned in the uh, I'm Thinking of Ending Things books, or, mm, excuse me, I'm Thinking of Ending Things book. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's got to be just like banging in a kid's bed. Well, be yeah, and I'll give you another one. You know that point in the adaptation where she was like, I wish I was a baby. I wish I was new. Yeah. During the climax. Yeah. In this, there's a point where Hazel and him are like at like a funeral, and she leans over, and she was like, I used to be a baby. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, also, totally forgot about the scene where they go home to his parents. And he's like, you can sleep in my parents' bed. And they open the door and he's like, I thought someone would have cleaned it up. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how I forgot about that. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, and also just another one of those things that, like, again, a lot of Synecdoche, New York can kind of be summed up as, like, I'm 13 and that's deep. But whatever. You can eat my whole ass. I love it. I love when he's like, <laughs> he's like, there are 13 million people. Can you imagine that? 13 million people and not one of them is an extra. Good. Yeah. Anyways, and then also the first date that him and hazel go on when he rips up that paper while he's like nervous or whatever mm-hmm. she's like that's good in my scrapbook and then yeah, hours later yeah. it's actually in her scrapbook yeah, it's very cute. anyways back to rocky his apartment number 1818 right now right now i'm reading frankenstein published in 1818 that means nothing also <laughs> when she's in the apartment i'm pretty sure he hangs up his coat on a machete and also next to the mirror there's like a fucking brass knuckle knife stabbed in yes, the wall you're right correct yeah anyways uh oh yeah that's right he was like when he's on tv what he actually says is hey can i just say something real quick yeah i just want to say hi to my girlfriend yo adrian that's what it is anyways uh i do also love the machete thing reminded me when he's there mickey's talking to him and he's like kind of ignoring him he starts throwing darts 
does not have a dartboard, just throws yeah. darts into the side of the wall. There's also a couple other things. I also like uh, the bar he goes to is called Lucky Seven. There's a point where he has a conversation, I think, with Mickey about how he ain't ever had any luck. And then I think it's a conversation with Gazo when he's getting the 50 bucks where he says, he refers to the situation Rocky's now in as a bit of freak luck. Anyways. Um, yeah. The just before the are you fucking my sister thing, that's when he says the gaps thing to Polly. He's uh -huh. like he's like, What do you like about my sister? He's like, I don't know, I got gaps. She got gaps. And he's like, What the fuck are you talking about gaps? And he's like, Well, I got gaps, she's got gaps, we fill each other's gaps, you know. Anyways. Um Yeah, Polly, we're at the scene where Polly freaks out. Yeah. <laughs> Polly overhears him saying the Gazo thing about how he's like, I don't think he wants to work for Gazo, I don't think Gazo would hire him, I don't think he'd be good at that kind of a thing. And Polly's like, Oh, I'm asking for a handout somebody and he starts smashing shit. And he's like, get the hell out of my house. And Adrian's like, it's my house too. He's like, you get the hell out of my house too, kind of a thing. And pulls off his back. Yeah, and he calls her like a loser and like, you know, like, you ruined my life. I can't, I ain't even married because of you, kind of a thing. She's like, what are you talking about, Polly? I clean up after you. I cook for you. What the fuck do you want from me? I'm not a loser. You made me feel like a loser my whole life, kind of a thing. Yeah, fuck Polly. Anyways, and then Adrian's like, you need a roommate? And they start living together. Cute. It is very cute. sleeping together as a little twin bed. Love it. Not together. He sleeps on the couch. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh. All right, because uh, he's around. Because he's, yeah. he's got a heart of gold. Anyways. Um, no, because he's wrestling. He's wrestling. He's boxing. You can't fool around. You can't be clogging your head with that pet shop girl. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't think that's ever explicitly stated, though, other than Mickey saying, like, you still dating that girl? Stop dating that girl. Bad for you. No, like, she, like, he, before she gets kicked out, the yeah. first time Rocky trains, he comes back to her place, and she's, like, giving him ice and stuff. She's like, you want me to rub you down? He's like, no. And then she's like, rubs him down a little bit and tries to kiss him. He's like, no fooling around. And she's like, huh. whoa, you mean? And he's like, no fooling around. I got to stay strong, which I love <laughs> that. It's like, in order to box well, I got to be horny as hell when I'm fighting. But it is true. Fighters do do that. Yeah. To this day. Um, yeah, I just don't remember that scene for some reason. But uh, yeah, so the next thing is that I remember really standing out. There may be some other little things I'm forgetting. Rocky wakes up in the middle of the night, the night before the fight, and he wanders through town, eventually wanders to the ring. Mm -hmm. He's looking at the big posters of him and Apollo, and the promoter comes in. He's like, Rocky, what are you doing here? Kind of a thing. And he's like, this poster's wrong. And he's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I'm wearing white shorts with a red stripe. And he's like, yeah, well, it doesn't really matter, does it? I'm sure you'll put on a good show. And the it doesn't really matter, does it, is something that... Rocky kind of says how the movie always goes, it yeah. don't matter, it don't matter, it don't matter. Um, Fun fact, just like the ice skating thing, they just delivered that prop and the shorts were wrong on it. And they're yeah. like, we need to fix this. And they're like, yeah. we ain't got that kind of money. So yeah. Stallone was like, I guess I'm rewriting this scene right now. <laughs> and yeah, that whole interaction kind of a thing. I mean, part of the reason why he went out was also this. But that whole thing is just, you know, culminates in like him coming home and sitting down on the bed that Adrian sleeps in. She kind of wakes up or whatever and he was like, uh, he's like, I'm I'm not going to win tomorrow. Yeah. You seems know? great. And she's like, oh, what, do you, well, what are we going to do? And I love that she says, well, what are we going to do? And she's like, you worked so hard or whatever. And he's like, yeah. He's like, you know, but, you know, he's in another league. I don't I don't have a chance. You know, he's just, he, and he, he says that thing about how he's like, he's like, but if, you know, I could just go the distance, nobody's ever gone the distance with a champ, you know? So if I could do that, it would just make me know that I'm not a bum from the neighborhood, you know? Great scene. I'm Chris. I'm getting teary eyed listening to you say it. It's yeah. so good. <laughs> Do we miss the 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 good montage? Yeah, where he's running down the street. Love it. Yeah. Um, fun fact. I think this is like the first or second movie to use a steady cam, mm -hmm. 
where like you know because they got it in the truck driving next to him while he's running mm-hmm. and like going up the stairs and stuff like that because fun fact i think the lead camera operator on this movie is the guy that invented the steady cam and so like i've seen a picture of like the rig for like his prototype that they use on this movie it's just like a camera sitting on top of like 11 car batteries or something <laughs> like that um but no, I absolutely love where he's like running behind the van or whatever like that, and then just starts running faster than it. Yeah, uh, it's just uh, I don't know why that gets me so hyped is watching someone <laughs> run a little bit faster than yeah. a car. And I also have to mention like they keep the Rocky theme throughout this whole thing. Um, but this one is my favorite incarnation. I love when it's just I don't I'm gonna butcher his name probably, but Bill Conti. It's just a little that's right soul song. Yeah, you know, just with the. Getting stronger, just like really hanging in the background, like actually a part of the whole thing, you know. And I I love the lyrics are like pretty on the nose, just like basically like Rocky's running faster. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful song though. There's something about like the whole thing, just the horns, and as it softens for like that kind of happen where he's just just that. Yeah. Gonna fly and I love at the end when he wins, they play it like at 100 times speed. <laughs> um, also, just a, a little thing that makes me laugh every time I see it that we skip past when he starts training with uh, Mick and like he like ties his feet together because his footwork is bad or whatever. Yeah. And those two girls come in and go, Rocky, can we get your autograph? And he goes, Get out of here. Go on, get your chicken asses out of here. <laughs> Anyways, the fight comes. He's wearing this big-ass robe that has shamrock meats on the back. So he's like, I'm doing a favor for a friend. <laughs> yeah, Polly gets $3,000, I get the robe. That's so good. Yeah. And I love that even the commentators are like, all right, and the Italian stand has come out uh, wearing a robe that says shamrock meats in the back. Shamrock meats, everybody. <laughs> but uh, Apollo comes out with this whole, you know, parade-type charade and like, yeah. you know he's dressed up like uncle sam throwing quarters into the audience i also like that uh it's low budget so you can actually see in the background the entire stadium is empty they yeah, just yeah, have, yeah they just have the floor seats filled. exactly probably the only thing that i've seen in this movie where i was like oh, okay but I'm, I'm not like gonna mark it down for that it's really good but anyways uh there's a carl weathers quote i want to read to you but keep talking yeah I'll find it. anyways um the bout starts and from the rip Rocky's just eating punches. Uh, That's the thing. Rocky's not the better fighter in any of these movies. He can just get punched in the head (laughs) 1,000 times and be fine. Uh, But he catches uh, Apollo uh, and actually knocks him down in the first. He goes down for about seven or eight seconds. Uh, Round one ends. Round two, again, you know, homeboy's just eating punches. But again, he gets clocked a couple times, but he clocks the champ again. And when that round's over, I believe the coach is kind of like, Jesus Christ, this dude doesn't know that it's like a show this guy thinks it's a fight you got to go yeah. in there and end it now kind of a thing long story short it does go the distance and uh it, by decision is apollo uh but rocky couldn't give a fuck and he's all blind and he's just like hey do you and everybody's trying to ask him a question like you know like is it gonna be a rematch is it gonna be another fight he's like no there's no rematch adrian and like paulie tries to get in and the cops stop him from getting in the ring because he's like i know that guy he's like yeah buddy i know that guy too whatever but because they're having an interaction adrian can he like lifts the rope for adrian to go behind him kind of a thing mm-hmm. and adrian comes in and they hug and then the movie's over so good yeah like i love and it's like just uh, not even like you, you you can miss it 
But in the background, they're like, oh, yeah, Apollo Creed wins, by the way. Yeah. Like, I love that Rocky loses in this movie, but yeah. he went the distance, so he won. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. <laughs> um, hold on. I found the Apollo Creed quote. Okay. Uh, this comes from IMDb, which means it might not be real. <laughs> During his audition, Carl Weathers was sparring with Sylvester Stallone and accidentally punched him in the chin. Yeah. Sorry, on the chin. He yeah. didn't get punched in the chin. He get punched on the chin. Stallone told Weathers to calm down, and it was only an audition, and Weathers said that if he was allowed to audition with a, quote, real actor, not a stand-in, he would be able to do a lot better. Director John A. Alvidson smiled and told Weathers that Stallone was the real actor and writer of the film. Weathers looked at Stallone and thoughtfully for a moment and said, well, maybe he'll get better. And Stallone (laughs) offered him the part immediately. Yeah. I love that. I think that's great. That is good. Uh, Another thing we forgot to mention was during the date... uh with adrian the first one or whatever he's like hey it's like whatever it is he's like 16 or like 60 fights or some 40 fights however many fights never been, broke whatever. my nose yeah. he's like never broke my nose never once you know he's like i've been hit by everybody i get to eat a million punches and he's like never broke my nose but like in like round two he's like oh your nose is just smashed up it's <laughs> yeah, a yeah. million pieces <laughs> yeah i love that no one's gone the distance with apollo and no one's broken rocky's nose and yeah. he gets his bro's nose broken and he goes to distance yeah with him. um i love this movie yeah uh i was uh, table talk before this episode started i i texted chris i was like can we do this tomorrow and put out an episode late because i've been going pretty hard the past two days yeah. unintentionally um I'm, i've had a mix up with my medications i have no brain today at all i don't know <laughs> if i can report record a podcast waiting for chris to respond to me i watched the second half of rocky and was like i could build a house right now <laughs> nothing gets me as motivated as this movie yeah. does i love it so much yeah um yeah it's great. I, I, you know, anything I say about it's going to be an understatement. But, yeah, it's the story of, of an underdog. It's, it's uh, you know, they bill it as the American dream. And while I don't totally subscribe to that, the, like, mythological arc of that is a very inspirational story. It's a story about hope. Uh, it's a story about the little guy. Um, and it's one where we come out on top. Uh, yeah, A-plus, phenomenal movie. Um, expertly made. It's, it's um, you know what 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 a hell of a, a an achievement you know it's one of those things like halloween that i've always put in the category of like as far as i'm concerned this is you know whether you want to call it an indie movie or an art house movie it's you know it's something special um in that regard as well yeah, like it's, no, it's 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 you know it's like that that it even got made and under you know the budget constraints and the fight with the the you know the studio for stallone to be the guy you know it's yeah. really a marvel. It's a... And an inspiration. A very big inspiration. Absolutely, yeah. No, I, it's one of those situations where, again, don't uh, subscribe to the American Dream and stuff yeah. like that. But the story of this movie getting made is mm-hmm. almost the story of this movie. Mm-hmm. Where And, like, it's the story of Stallone, the story mm-hmm. of this movie getting made, and the story of Rocky, where it's just this underdog succeeding against everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but even beside that, I, this movie is just spectacular yeah i love it yeah i mean as i was saying earlier like it's it's just one of those things that's almost play-esque like just stallone or rocky if you want to consider rocky in a room walking around feeding turtles and looking at pictures of him as a kid like is one of those things that the best way i can put it is that like a picture is worth a thousand words like all the quiet parts of these this movie are as moving as like mickey and him arguing or him and adrian going on yeah. like a date it, it it's uh it's it's one of those things where 
I can't say this because it's actually someone's username, but every shot is a work of art. Nice. Great. <laughs> you nailed that. <laughs> so A+. plus. Yeah, to give this movie an A+, plus, of course. Yeah. Love it. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a long one. Oh, wow. Yeah, this was a very long one. Okay. Well, that's that. Best just fan. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta get out of here. Yeah. If you need more soup, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or go to our website, eatingsoupalone.com. And until next time... Chris, who's editing this later. Hi. I hope you're doing well. I love you a bunch. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I'm glad we're playing Rock Band together a lot. Um, it's a lot of fun. I'm glad you're as into it as you are. Um, and I share the toy flush, so here you come. <laughs>